1: Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? hell is a foreign forward- But that Why hookup was not, not good. What so do frustrating? I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know. know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the show. Our guest today is one of my favorite people that I've met since moving to LA. You might know Sif Hader from her Instagram where she gives so many good wellness tips or her podcast, The Dream Bigger Podcast that covers all things business, beauty, and wellness. But even if you don't know Sif, I'm sure you've heard of her supplement brand Array that she co-founded with her husband Nish. Array is an all-natural supplement brand aimed to solve everyday problems that women constantly deal with like uncomfortable bloat, painful heartburn, regular anxiety, and bad sleep. Array is everywhere. Just to give you a little insight, Haley Bieber, Melissa Wood, and so many other iconic celebs and wellness queens swear by their products. Array is probably my number one must-have brand because the bloat capsules single-handedly saved my life because now I can eat pasta without suffering. I mean, they're amazing. I first met Sif at an event for Array a couple of years ago, and I immediately liked her so much. We had so much in common, and she is such an inspiring and open person. I've been so excited to have her on the podcast. Our conversation today kind of goes all over the place in the best way. We talk about her career path to Array and how a, being a creative person turned into being a business owner. We chat about her wellness routines and how she dramatically healed her body and then we even dive into manifestation and unrealistic beauty standards surrounding plastic surgery. I mean, no stone is left unturned, okay? If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review and tell us about what you liked about the episode. It is the best way to support our show, and your support means so much. Thank you in advance. With that, welcome Seth Hader to the Every Girl Podcast. I feel like it's been so long since we discussed going on a walk like four months ago and we haven't yet. So I love that we get to do this though.
1: I know it's the best. I'm so happy. Um, Yeah, I'll have to have you over as well. We just moved. So I feel like it's just been craziness over the last few months. Oh my God.
0: And I was going to say your new home looks
1: stunning. Thank you. It's, It's definitely a process to decorate, but... It's been really fun to work on. <laughs> is it like a creative fun process for you or is it like stress? Oh my God. So fun. I've been like waiting for this my whole
0: life. Well, it looks really gorgeous already. Like just, I just saw from the you post on Instagram, like the kitchen looks so open and what you like manifest. I know you talked about how you like manifested that
1: oh, openness. 100%. Right? It's kind of wild, Josie. Like I look back on old journal entries and like I described this like almost to a T. I was like, you know, I talk about my big open kitchen and like all this outdoor space and like good light all across the house and like all these things that are almost like impossible to get in one house and yet somehow we have it. So I'm like, hmm, this is crazy. Oh my God. Well, congratulations. I mean, I know it's
0: a long time coming because when I saw you last, I remember you were talking about... Thinking of finding a home once everything with the visa was figured out. So congratulations. I'm sure you guys are so
1: thrilled. Thank you. Yeah. The visa process took a minute. We didn't get it until like December, which was wild because it was, what? yeah. Yeah. It was insane. Like there were all of these delays. And so, you know, that was the frustrating part of it all because this was supposed to be like, you know, a three week process and it got stretched to one and a half years and just feeling so displaced and unsettled and like everything is up in the air. So anyway, I'm happy that it's like done now. But yeah, it was definitely a process that tested me for sure. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, you're done with it
0: and now everything's working out. So thank God. But that, I cannot believe it took that long.
1: Took a minute. Universe
0: made me wait for it. Yeah, Universe was like, you better want this bad because we're going to test you for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sif, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like this would be so fun because it's just me like chatting with a friend, which is the best kind of podcast episodes. I know that you know how that goes. So welcome to the Every Girl Podcast and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And it's going to be such a fun conversation. I love talking to my friends on podcasts. (laughs) It's the best, right? It's the best. It's so fun. Okay. So
0: I want you to start from the very beginning because I love your story. I think it's so interesting and I want our audience to hear every detail. So take me back to the very beginning. What was your childhood like and what did you want to be when you grow up? I know that that's a big question you start with on your podcast. So I want to throw it back to you.
1: Honestly, like what I wanted to be when I was younger, I was just always a very creative person. It's interesting when I reflect on it because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really know what each kind of career entails. And oftentimes you don't even know the options that you have available to you. But I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to sell shoes. Like I would play this game with my grandma where I would, you know, take the shoes from her closet and we'd play shop, you know? So I feel like I had always been just a very creative person right from the get-go, but obviously didn't know I would kind of end up where I did, which is, I mean, isn't that how life goes? Like you just never can predict what'll happen. Even five, six years, like back, if I look, I could have never predicted like what would happen with Array or the fact that I'd even be on this journey. So, you know, it's, it's definitely been an interesting path to get here. I remember you saying
0: that story about your grandma and how you would play with the shoes and like, it's really interesting to see that obviously what our career is, is way different than what we think it's going to be, even in high school, much less as a kid. But it's really interesting to like look back and see where pieces of it show up, like where it's almost like this is where you're meant to be kind of sprinkled in throughout your childhood.
1: You know, I see the through line for sure. When I reflect back on like every at every turn, like what I thought I'd be doing, like I I just I see like the through line. Like, for example, when I was in high school or just graduating, like I went to school for pre-law because that was kind of like the safe way to go. But I was always like, I want to be a chef because I loved working with my hands and I liked being creative like that. So I see this like across the kind of like my entire life when I look at like, Oh, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? It was always something creative. It was always like making things. And then from the other side, like, you know, for a long time across, like prior to graduating from high school, I wanted to be a singer or a performer of some sort. and that's You did? Because, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it, like, I mean, I sang for a very, very long time. I was a theater kid in high school. And that, if I look at it, it kind of translates into the fact that I have a podcast. It's a different kind of thing. Like it's not really a performance. I like to speak to people and I'm very curious, but I guess like, that element has manifested in this way. So it's just interesting when I reflect back on what I wanted to do and see how it like translated. Oh my God, it's so funny.
0: Yeah, because it's performance. It's just a different type, but it's, it's so true. It's like the same thread throughout. So do you have a really good voice? That is something about you I did not know.
1: I used to like doing it.
0: <laughs> now it's reserved for the shower only, I guess. <laughs> sure. It's gotta be for the shower. What um, this is a, such a side tangent, but what like plays
1: or musicals were you in and when you were a theater kid? Um, Greece. Um, and then I was in like, oh my God, I forget. It was like this random one. I forget who the author was, but I was in a ton of them, you know? Like I did the IB. So anyone who's gone, like went to an international school probably know the IB is just really tough. They put you through the ringer and essentially your credits translate to college credits because that's like the level of work that you're doing. So I did IB theater in high school. And so, yeah, I just, I loved the performance aspect of things.
0: That's so cool. It is really funny though, because it yeah, it's such a thread of like now here you are as this big podcast host and like that you're performing in this different way. But I, I yeah. love that because I was like the wannabe theater nerd where I wasn't good <laughs> enough to be in musicals, but just like wanted to. So that's why I wanted to know what you were in, because that's so cool. You are so much well, more even multi-and like now creative. you've gotten here, you know? Yeah, because you're right. It's all, it is like the same exact thing that you see show up. Like, I love performing. I didn't have any gifts that I could perform back in high school, but I love performing. And that's why we're podcast hosts. You know, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. There we go. Okay. So, walk us after college. Then what happens? What do you decide that you want to do? And
1: where do you go? So, it's interesting after graduating from college. And I guess like what links all of this to Array and where I'm at right now is that. All across college and high school, I kind of struggled with my immune system. It was just a part of my identity. Like I was always sick whenever there was something going around. Like I was just susceptible to anything, but that was fine. It was just like a side piece, which obviously, like looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I felt like that for so long in my life, but it was there and I just continued living life. And so after graduating, I decided that I wanted to. Go into journalism, and again, like it was the creative piece. I really wanted to work at a magazine, and so I went and wor- I worked. No, I went and got my post grad at Condé Nast College in London. So just learning from big editors, and after that, I got. I like when I was there. I was like, okay, I either want to go into magazines or PR because I really liked the events piece of things and telling a story. And so after graduating from my postgrad I worked in PR which led me ultimately to working at L Canada and then from there like went full time with my blog because it was growing at like a pretty hyper accelerated rate back then and I decided to take a chance on myself about like a year year and a half into my time at L so that's kind of been my career trajectory and you know, um, in terms of like how Array even came into this, like it wasn't really like a planned thing. Like I never thought, oh, like now I'm going to quit and become an entrepreneur or anything like that. Like I just really saw this need in the world and felt like we could, my husband and I, who's my co-founder, we figured that we could be the ones to fill that need because as I struggled with my immune system and didn't really get any Answers from allopathic medicine. I dove into holistic medicine, started writing about that on my blog and sharing about it on Instagram. And then I was like, we can do this. Like we can work with a doctor, make this product, which we think can really help people feel like the best versions of themselves through solving these like very targeted issues that we're all complaining about. And so we decided to do it and launch the brand in 2020. So it was definitely an interesting career path but you know i've i've learned a lot
0: you're extremely multifaceted which is very impressive but it it makes sense how everything connects you know it really does you see the common thread through everything why this exact brand why did you think i want to start with bloat too i'm curious about that i know that you mentioned your history with immunity issues so why did this come about for you were you trying to fill The market that you wish you had?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as I started to figure out like how to troubleshoot my immune system, I also had really bad food sensitivities. So it had gotten to a point where I was really, really freaked out anytime I would go out to eat. You know, I didn't know what could set me off. And so around then i was also like let me see if i can also troubleshoot my stomach issues with herbs and minerals and vitamins and i started to see like changes in my system and so you know as i was going through this like i would notice anytime i was at dinners or brunches with my friends everyone would talk about the fact that they were really bloated you know it wasn't just me and it was kind of this universal problem and It was almost normalized, whereas it was so uncomfortable, you know? So just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal or the standard that we should settle for. And I felt like everyone was just settling for feeling like shit, you know? And it was like, we were making these jokes about it and yeah, it was all fine and good, but like, how are we going to deal with it, you know? And so because of that whole experience with myself and the fact that I was incredibly uncomfortable every time I was going out to eat and then seeing... changes that the right um, supplementation could make, I was like, everyone's dealing with this. Why is there nothing effective that exists in relieving you from this, especially when you have life to live? And I didn't want to be the person who came home after dinner and wasn't able to go out with my friends because I had to lay on my couch because my stomach hurt so much. Or I didn't want to be the girl who couldn't continue date night with my husband because I ate like two bites of pasta, you know? So it was all of that. And I just felt like bloating was this like massive issue specifically, or especially rather for women. And I just knew we'd be a better version of ourselves if that was kind of taken care of. It's so true that
0: every woman, I feel like every one of my friends, we sit at dinner every time. It's like, that's going to hurt my stomach. That's going to make me feel bloated. It's every single woman talks about this. Like, this is one of those things that like we relate to, but you're so right of like, we have to stop and think why, like we shouldn't settle for this just because it's what we expect. And because it's normal, that doesn't mean that it's, or it's common. It's not normal. I should say like, that's not the right word for it. So it's such a powerful thing that like connects all women, but shouldn't, you know, like we should expect
1: more. I mean, it's the same as like period cramps. Right. And like, we don't have a product for this, but I know like having been in this industry and like being someone who's very curious about this stuff that period cramps are not normal. It's not something that we should be settling for just because our friends all have it. Like that's our body trying to tell us something and we should be figuring out our hormones. And like, believe me, I've gone through cramps. Like it's, I've they've gone. Like I don't have them anymore. I have very comfortable periods that like comes and goes as though nothing has happened. And I just, I like, it's again, this thing that like, oh, like it's common, everyone's having it. And so I should like, it's fine for me to have it too. No, we should settle for better for ourselves.
0: A hundred percent. It's so true. I think there's a lot of those symptoms for women that we have just been told over and over and over again, sorry, that's just the way it is. You just have a sensitive stomach or you just have bad periods like that's what i'd been told for years so it's the fact that that a brand like array is coming out and saying no you do not have to suffer through symptoms that maybe your doctor has told you for years sorry like just avoid gluten if that bothers you you know like there should be more for us and so that I, you guys are doing so much that's revolutionary even beyond just providing a, a supplement that's helping people you know it's helping people really rethink what they expect out of their life and what they should expect from their bodies. And I think it's so powerful. It's really cool too, because like you said, a lot of women have the same experience that you did with their bodies, where they're feeling that way and they're having that bloat and they're having date nights and dinners with friends that are ruined because they're feeling so uncomfortable. But very few people think, let me make a product that is going to do something about it. You know, we kind of just accept myself included. I'm like, Oops, that's just how it is. Like before Array came around, I was like, oh, well, like, sucks to be me. I can't eat pasta, but that you actually thought, let me do something about it. So I'm curious about you as an entrepreneur, because like you said, you were very interested in wellness, very knowledgeable about the wellness space, and you were a creative. Were you ever thinking of yourself as a business person up until you founded Array? Like, did you have any awareness of, like, I want to launch a product one day or like, I'm good at business or like, what was your? mentality or relationship with that idea of business
1: person for your identity. So it's interesting because I come from an entrepreneurial background, my dad owns a business. It's kind of like what I've seen. So I was never someone who was afraid of starting a business, you know, and you know, like when I went full time as a creator, like that's essentially what I was doing. I was working for myself. And so the idea of it never scared me. It's just that for me, I was like, if I want to pursue something, I have to feel really fulfilled and driven by the, the phenomena of what I'm doing. I've never been the type of entrepreneur or business person that's motivated by business or. Just money. Like, that's not who I am. I don't do something because I see good business opportunity. I have to see the purpose behind it. Because for me, like being motivated by money or just the idea of having a business, I don't know, like it doesn't get me through the bad days. And I know that as an entrepreneur, there's many bad days to come. So I have to feel like I'm really making a difference in the world. So I just knew that if I were to start something, It would have to be something that like moves me and gives me a sense of purpose, knowing that I'm like really changing people's lives.
0: I like that focus on the purpose and kind of like the end goal, the big tangible result, rather than the ins and outs of becoming a entrepreneur. Because I think especially with like that concept of being a creator, like for me, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I Mm -hmm. have always struggled this identity of I'm a creative person so I can't be good at business. You know like I'm like I was really good at creative writing in school, really bad at math. So then that just identity of like I'm I'm not that business-minded person. I'm a creative person. Like it's almost like we have two opposites and you have so effortlessly kind of combined them. So it sounds like probably because you're more focused on this is the purpose of why I'm doing this and and I know you probably have a lot of in and out tasks that you have to do as co-CEO every day, but like that the the start of it was focusing on here's the purpose of it instead of like psyching yourself out of like, Oh my God, I'm now becoming like a business person and having to deal with more. It was like the focus on the end goal. Right.
1: Yeah. And also I want to point out that I, by the way, had the same issues as you, you know, I was never someone who was good at math. I wasn't someone who's like good at, I guess, like the technical or analytical bits and pieces of the business. And I just knew that I would have to work harder to figure it out, and of course, like I'm very lucky to have a co-founder in the form of Nish, who's my husband, and he's he like covers all of my blind spots. But I think the takeaway for other founders, even if they don't have a co-founder, I think like don't sell yourself short. Like people can figure out anything, and if you're driven by purpose, like you will figure out a way to like solve that problem or get through that challenge and you know, naturally as human beings, some of us are better at certain things than others, but it doesn't mean that we can't figure out the other things. Like we are very adaptable and very smart creatures. That's
0: so true. Everything is figure-outable. What do you think are the common misconceptions of supplements? Cuz I have a lot of people that are very overwhelmed by the supplement industry, very confused. So as the founder of a supplement industry, do you see any common misconceptions that you want to clear up or that you try to
1: eradicate with array? I mean, there's so many, right? Like the number one thing is does it even really work? And let me tell you, I was on that camp for an eternity and I felt like I was strong-armed by my circumstances to decide to kind of look into this area from a skeptic's lens, right? Because I wasn't someone who was like, Oh, natural. No, I like, I was never that person. I was very much like, I'm going to pop a Tylenol if this happens. Like I'm going to take antibiotics if that happens. Like that was my life, you know? So I think if you are a skeptic really doing research into the scientific papers, like really like go and look into what the merits are of this whole world, because it's definitely there. So I think that that is number one. Other myths to dispel is okay, so this is actually a hack for consumers. If you are looking for a really, really, really high quality supplement, look and see if the company is approved by Natural Health Canada or has certifications in the EU because our standards in Canada and Europe are like really stringent. So for Canadian companies, we have to get something called a natural product number. And that essentially means that you've been approved by Natural Health Canada. So that's like a good hack for consumers. That's such a good hack. Oh, that's going to
0: change the way I shop for supplements. Like literally, that's (laughs) such a good hack because it's true. Like it's, I know there's so much with the, you know, FDA doesn't always regulate supplements, but then I'm like, even if they do that,
1: it doesn't mean a lot. Yeah. Just to expand on this, if a, a supplement is sold in Canada, like that is a very good sign because Natural Health Canada, they're crazy. Like they will, like, they, I mean, we can't just like go ahead and do whatever we want. Like it's, it's really, they're crazy. Like they will nitpick every claim. They will nitpick every ingredient. It's like a whole process. So yeah. Which yeah. as the consumer, we like to hear that. We want
0: that nitpicky. Yes. So I'm sure you want the crazy. Well, you want the crazy. So that's so true. How did you go about the holistic route? Like, How did that show up for you? Because I feel like now it's become very, a lot more popular and more mainstream to be like, let me take this herb for this and let me take this kind of supplement that's just herbs. Like, But even in 2019 and 2020, when you guys were launching, I still feel like it wasn't that mainstream to go the more holistic route with herbs. How did you find out about that whole part of wellness that, that wasn't super mainstream at the time?
1: So I'd been dabbling in it for years prior to starting Array. I think it was like maybe 2016 that I got really interested in it. And I just started reading anything I could get my hands on, you know? So reading anything by different functional medicine practitioners, integrative medicine practitioners, like naturopathic doctors, literally anything I could read, I would because I was just a curious person and I'm a good learner. You know, so if I don't believe in something, but I feel like maybe I should look into it, I'm just going to read and read and read. So that's what I did. And as I started doing that, I started experimenting and then I started to see the merits of it in my own life. And you're absolutely right. Like in 2020, it still wasn't what it is today. And quite frankly, like I think it's not even close to reaching its apex. Like this industry is going to explode in the next few years as people become more and more curious. So I did it all, like based on kind of like desperation. And also at that point when I was... So just to give your um, audience a little bit of backstory, my tipping point was in my early 20s, I ended up fracturing a rib from a chronic cough. And that was oh kind my God. of... Yeah. So it was gnarly. And at that point, I was like, I don't really have a choice because... I can continue on this way, but like, who knows what's gonna happen next? Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm in my early 20s, but in a 90 year old's body, it's kind of weird and crazy. And so, my mom urged me to look into more natural things. She was kind of into it, not even like hyper. She was just like, she would take a few supplements and she was like, you should really look into this because. You are kind of like at the end of the road with what you're doing, like it's not been working. And so it was really out of desperation that I even got interested in this whole world. Which is how so many people find it, I think, is
0: because the conventional medicine path has not worked for them and they are feeling fed up. So hopefully, as more and more education gets out there and it becomes more and more mainstream, we can start helping people be more preventative so that they don't have to get to the point of desperation. But that's so crazy that you fractured a rib because you were coughing that much. Yeah. That is awful. So you know what it feels like to like feel like shit all the time.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, that was my status quo for years, you know? And like, I'm glad that it happened in retrospect because I don't think I would have been where I am and Kind of been as passionate as I am had I not gone through that experience, but yeah, I like hundred percent know what it's like to feel like shit. I felt like shit for most of my life. (laughs) Yeah, which is so wild because I I know now
0: people who meet you or look at you are like, oh, Sif is so healthy. Like she's like the (laughs) pillar of health, and so it's so cool that you were able to transform so much. I think that you are such an inspiration for people who currently are going through health issues and feel like there's no way out. What are some other tricks, rituals, different things that you did to help? turn your body from that point where you fractured a rib because you were coughing so much and sick all the time to, to now
1: feeling very healthy in your body? I think also learning to eat was really important. So, you know, my diet mostly is very like Plant heavy foods in their natural form, you know, plants and protein. That's kind of like what I really enjoy eating and what nourishes my body. And, you know, when you're in college, like you don't know how to eat. You know, I remember eating like packaged goods like 90% of the time, not sleeping well. Like this is really the basis, you know, but really being diligent about how I was treating my body, you know, making sure that I was eating better, making sure that I was focusing in on movement because. When I was in college, it wasn't like what it is today, you know. Now you have a plethora of different workouts available to you. You know that you can find movement that you love and just because your friend is a runner doesn't mean your only path to fitness is running, you know. And back when I was in school, that wasn't the case. It was very like this is this is what a fit person is and for me I didn't really Fit that mold. Like, I didn't necessarily like to run. Track and field was never my thing. And so, over time, it was really learning the movement patterns that my body really liked because movement is a huge part of just overall health. Learning even just about the merits of walking lots, you know, and how that is just so beneficial for our health and just like little, little things like that. So, I think that no matter where you are in your life, you can always take small steps to work towards a better version or like that version of yourself that you aspire to be. And like, don't get me wrong, you know, I may look like the pillar of health, but I am also very real about the fact that I don't always have my shit together. It's just that I retain certain things. And even if I lose them for a short period of time, I just go back to them. I know what to do. And I know that like, you can, you can always go back to those basics and they will change your life drastically.
0: So true. I love that it's so approachable too, that it's not like, here's a thousand crazy things and all these different products and stuff that it, it's just very easy of like finding a way of moving that you love, like walking. I know you're a big walker. I am too. I love good walk. We luckily live in a neighborhood that's very good walking. And then no, like, I'm so I mean, thank God, right? It's the best thing ever. And then foods that like just make you feel good and are whole foods in their
1: natural form. Like it's so basic. It's easy for anybody to do. And then also in terms of movement, like finding like even if if you can, like outside of walking, like introducing some sort of like a workout as well. So for me out, out of college, that was Pilates for years. I was obsessed with Pilates, and then I got into resistance training, weightlifting. So like I've always kind of like gone back and forth between the two. I was really into boxing at one point, but like finding those workouts that are like that light you up because that's kind of like building muscles is what protects you against degeneration when you're older and it allows you to kind of stay more vibrant for a longer period of time. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm in, I'm really interested in the longevity play. So knowing that we have such control, like it's preventative, right? Like I can sit and wait till I'm 70 and fracture a hip and then like, you know, try to change my life then, or I could just make those changes now, so that I'm much more vibrant and stronger when I'm in my seventies and eighties and well into whatever age I live till
0: <laughs> that's such a good goal because I think people struggle to find motivation and to think about it like if you are are building your muscle now and and all the things like that that weights are also really good for bone health and for all these different things, you will feel like a kick ass year old and like what better motivation is there to have? the longest, most healthy life possible. Not even just like when we were in college, it was very much like, oh, you got to run to burn off the calories from the Taco Bell you ate last night. And like, that's the way wellness was thought of, especially fitness. And now we can look at it like, no, what an amazing gift and opportunity that we have to set our bodies up for optimal success throughout our entire lives. Like, how cool is that? Like talking about the optimal investment, you know, it's so cool. So I think for people out there, that's a very motivating thing to think about is like, do it for your badass 80-year-old self. Like, because she's going to be happy that you went to the gym and you lifted weight today. Like, honestly, it's going to be so true. So I know you've talked about that before too, that you, you now are really interested in weightlifting, right? And Pilates. And when did that adjustment happen? Like, when did you realize and learn, okay, my body actually wants this more and this is going to be a better fitness
1: routine for your body? So for me, I mean, I tried the whole high intensity berries and all of that. And I went through a period where I was really into that, but I would notice myself being really tired right afterwards. And then that kind of fatigue would last for a longer period of time. And so I wanted to switch things up. So I told you right out of school, it was Pilates. And the reason I leaned towards Pilates was because Back then, like YouTube was what was available to me, and I remember coming across blog Pilates, and it was free, and it was just on YouTube, and I felt that it was just very approachable and not intimidating. And what Pilates does for the body is pretty incredible. Like you build insane core strength, mobility, which is a huge thing for me. Like I I think like mobility is just like important for everyone, but for me specifically, it was like really, really beneficial. So that was the Pilates piece, and then my. Youngest brother has always been into weightlifting. I think he started when he was like sixteen or fifteen. It's, he's insane, but he's really into it. And so he would go to the gym, and we're best friends. So then I just started going with him, and then he started training me. And like when I saw how good it made me feel, and also like how motivating it is to be able to like lift heavy things. Like I was really into it for a period of time, and then. I switched out of that because my brother wasn't here with me and I wasn't I didn't like I didn't want to go to the gym alone anymore and so I switched more into like boxing and pilates again and now I'm back into weightlifting and I have been for a little over a year now and I really really enjoy it. So again, it's about finding the thing that lights you up. Um I know like from a science perspective weightlifting is very beneficial for women and again like I my mind works in that way like for me it's like oh like what's the science teaching me and how can I incorporate it into my life so that I do the best for myself and it's also something I really enjoy like I like knowing that I'm making progress I like tracking what I can lift I like also feeling the fact that oh all of a sudden I can very easily lift my like stuffed carry-on over my head and put it into the overhead compartment all on my own. You know, I like being able to lift my suitcases or move furniture all on my own. So I don't know. Like I think weightlifting has given me a sense of independence and like, I guess like accomplishment. And so it's just something I really enjoy. And it's nice that the science supports kind of my enjoyment as well. <laughs> you lift heavy, right? Like I I maybe will lift like 10 pounds. Like
0: I need to get better at like tracking and and doing what you do, but you lift heavy. So I feel like you must feel like a badass.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Like I remember when I, like the first time I was doing glute bridges with my body weight, I was like, holy shit. Like I am really strong. Like that's, that's like a big accomplishment. You know, I'm being able to do a glute bridge with my literal own body weight. And so things like that, it makes you feel really, really accomplished or like being able to squat really heavy when you started off, like being able to only do five pounds. Like I remember all of that because it's all been within the last like year, year and a half. It's so true.
0: Yeah. And I like your real life examples of like, you can lift a suitcase. Like I can't, I always have to ask for help. If I'm alone, I'm like, please, someone help me lift my suitcase into the overhead compartment. So like to know I can be independent must just like feel really good. So again, going back to motivation, like what better motivation is there than to feel like this independent badass every minute of your day, because you don't have to depend on someone to lift things for you. You are that strong and powerful. You can do it yourself.
1: Yeah, it's the best. Like, um, we were, I don't know, I don't even know where we were traveling to. And Nish was like, so it's like, let me grab your suitcase. I'm like, nope, I got it. And he's like, what? And I was like, I don't <laughs> need the help. Like, I'm good, but thanks.
0: <laughs> You're like, I lift weights. Okay. I lift my body weight in a glute bridge. Okay, I got this. <laughs> so I know from your Instagram, you have a very detailed morning routine. So I would love for you to walk through step-by-step, get super micro, give us all the details of your amazing morning routine.
1: So I wake up typically like around the 6.30 mark. And I, as soon as I wake up, you know, brush my teeth, tongue scrape, all of that. Then come out, I drink a big bottle of water And have usually an Americano with some cinnamon. And while I do that, I journal. I'm a big, big proponent of journaling. It's like, it keeps me sane. And then I go out for a walk. When I was at my old place, I was walking distance from the gym, which was amazing. So I would just like walk right to the gym. Since I've been at my new place, I don't know how to drive, you guys. This is just the most insane (laughs) thing. I never learned how to drive, which is really problematic when you live in a city like LA. I don't know so, how you've lived in LA for so long. No, Josie, I was studying for my written test like prior to this <laughs> podcast interview. I've been studying for the last two hours because my first ever written driver's test is in two weeks and I'm freaking out. Oh my God, so, That's scary. I know. I, I know. Mean... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of wild that I'm 31 and have never learned how to drive. So... Anyway, usually like, or before I moved into this place, I've been here for a month. Um, I would walk to the gym and work out in the morning. Now I've kind of been adjusting because since I don't have my license, I either have to wait for my assistant to take me to the gym or for my husband to take me to the gym. So that'll typically get left for 4pm. But on weekends, I'm still following the same schedule. And I like to go in the morning. That's kind of my workout time. Like I love getting it done in the morning. And then sometimes like if I can, like I'll take an Uber and go to the gym. So that's my morning. I'm back home by 8.30, 8.45 change and ready for the workday. And if I'm not working out in the morning, then I start my workday by eight ish and then I'll work out in the evening. So that's kind of my morning routine. Like I have my non-negotiables, which are getting outside in the morning, like for my walk. Journaling and like movement when I can get it in. So, like, those are like, I guess, like the three things that I get every day that make me feel like really, really good. Okay.
0: The journaling piece is another one I would love for you to speak on a little bit because your journaling has inspired my journaling. The episode that you did, the solo episode on your podcast of your journaling routine, I recommend everybody go listen to that to hear in detail because it really, I was like, oh yeah, good idea. Let me try that. Like you had so many good little tips and prompts, but can you walk us through kind of like a brief overview of what are the prompts used to journal? How long do you take? Like give us the deets of your, just specifically the journaling routine.
1: So I journal typically for 20 minutes every morning. It's exactly the period of time that it takes me to finish my coffee. And it's like, I take so much joy and it's like a very sacred ritual for me. So I... I'm a deep believer in manifestation. I mean, we were talking about this about my house and like how it's like an exact kind of version of what I've written out for a very long time. And like with me for journaling, I love to do future you journaling. It is probably like my favorite form of journaling. And so, in that, like, I guess, like if you're wanting to use a prompt, just map out what your life looks like as like as though you already have it like the life that you want if that makes sense. So say I don't know you have a, like you're right now striving for this like dream career and you want to live in a specific city. I would write out exactly what that life looks like by design. So I woke up in this place with in this home. This is what my bedroom looks like. Like literally get as detailed as you want. I find that it's a very fun process because you're literally, it's like you're writing out a play for yourself and you're like the main character and you're getting to like put in whatever the hell you want in there. So I find that it's really beneficial. And if it's always in your mind, then I feel like you just automatically work towards it. And you also kind of start to become the version of yourself who has those things. So an example that I like to give is if we look at our lives today, right? Like your life, my life, and where we are in life, what we've accomplished, we wouldn't be here if we weren't the person and have the habits to get us here, right? Like your high school self was not the person who can handle the life that you're in today. Like they wouldn't have the habits. They wouldn't have the work ethic. They wouldn't have the knowledge or anything. And So wherever you want to go in life, I feel like you have to cultivate that like those habits and that knowledge and just kind of work to become that person who has that. So I guess like journaling, it kind of helps me become aware of like where the missing pieces are and what I need to work towards. So... I find it very beneficial.
0: Okay. I like that last part you said. Yeah, because I, I'm i such a big fan of the future you journaling that I took from you. And it's so fun. It is fun because you're right. You're like making out a script. I even like it too. Just a side note of like, if I have like a podcast interview that I'm nervous about, and I will like write even just that much in the future, like, you know, five minutes in the future. Like I'm my best self, I'm super happy, I'm engaged, like blah, 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 like writing as if I were in the podcast uh, interview. So that's mm-hmm. just another way I like to use it too. But I like this last part that you said about that it's it's not only just the visualization because I think that's where a lot of people see manifestation, like it, and then it stops there because they're like, okay, great, I can mm-hmm. visualize what I want and my dream. But there's a lot of that action step that I think people miss. So I like that you are using this to show you what is missing and like, what are those pieces that you need to fill in?
1: Yeah. So like something else I'll do is like, I will go through like how this version of me, like what their day is structured like, right. So like writing down, like, okay, like what are they doing as soon as they wake up in the morning? What books are they reading? Like, what are their plans outside of work? Like how are they kind of structuring their day? And it just helps me realize like, Oh, like, maybe I need to be doing a little bit more of this or like maybe this is how I want to show up at work because you know, like you just inherently know like what an ideal person, like what's their day like? And if you don't know, then like go listen to someone you look up to a podcast they're, they're in, like read a memoir, like go watch a documentary. Like there's so much exposure that you can get, like whoever you look up to, like how they have structured their life. And you'll see that it's inherently just like different, you know, because they, they just live their life at a certain standard. And if you follow the same standards and kind of like think of yourself as that caliber of person, I think you just become it.
0: Yeah. That that you get to start seeing, okay, if this is how my highest self day goes, where can I change it right now? So that you're not waiting until you achieve XYZ to change your life. You're changing your life now to actually get to that point. I know that you talk about that a lot. Like I love when you'll post and be like, just like six months ago, I wrote about like a milestone for Ray that I had wanted. And with the house, like that, I feel like you talk about that a lot, or I've seen you post that of that you journaled about something that then came true. How do you think that's happening? Like, is it because you're identifying, okay, this is the missing pieces. I'm going to act that out now. Or how are those things coming true for you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's like, where are the missing pieces constantly like bettering myself based on the standards that I'm setting for myself. And then it's also like, you know, if you're, if something is always on your mind, it's like in your reticular activating system. So it's always top of mind. And then it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, like you're just automatically going to take the steps you need to take to get to a certain place. Like that's just it's the standard you set for yourself, you know? And I think that whatever we have in our lives, it's like like this, it's the standard that we set for ourselves, you know? So whether it's who you're surrounding yourself with, what you're consuming, what you're around, like you can control so much. And so I think that for me, like having these things top of mind, like this is what I want for myself. Like, I don't know. I just take steps to make that happen.
0: Like I I always think about like moving to LA. I'm curious what you think. But for me, moving to LA was such a, powerful manifestation practice for me like that I didn't even realize because I was able to surround myself with people that were doing more than what I had access to. So it's exactly what you're talking about where instead of just kind of meeting people that maybe having jobs that I wasn't interested in, now I can surround myself, meet someone at the coffee shop that's like, I... And also a podcast host. Like, I meet other podcast hosts all the time, you know, as I know you do. So it's cool to be in this environment. So I'm curious, like, your thoughts
1: moving to LA, especially from Canada. Like, oh, Nish and I completely, like, we talk about this all the time. And I could not agree with you more because being in a city like LA or like any big city or really any place that you are inspired by. I think the standard that it sets for you is just different, you know? So your your benchmark of what normal is considered kind of shifts. And so that's what happened with us, like even just on a subconscious level. And I look at how quickly Array has been able to grow in a city like LA, and it isn't some sort of an accident or coincidence. It's because like, our standard of normal and the baseline that we set for ourselves is just so much higher because you're surrounded by like businesses which are just massive. And for me, I'm someone who's very inspired by other people. So I'm like, "Oh, like if it happened for them, it can happen for me too." It's just this like thing that happens in my mind where I'm like like it's like a real life example of something that's happened and so it just accelerates the process and you know, there's that saying that you are the five people that you surround yourself with. Like, it, you know, if you're in a larger city, you have a larger pool of people. And also this isn't to say, by the way, if someone lives in a smaller city that they can't do that because who we surround ourselves by, it's also like the podcast you're listening to, what you're watching, the books you're reading, you know? So if you feel like you're in a smaller city and you're like, oh, well, I can't relate to this. Actually, you can. Like, you don't have to be sitting with your high school friends gossiping about what so and so did. Like you can like expose yourself to high quality information and things that will elevate you versus like lower your vibration.
0: So true. I love that you said that and the the way that you phrased that of like it's like the standard of normal. Like that's that was so much more eloquent than how I could have explained it. Like it's just raising your standard of normal so that what you're surrounding yourself with, whether it's the the podcast you listen to, the book you read, the friends you have, that is getting you closer to where you want your life to be, to where your dream life is, instead of maybe what's holding you back and being really honest. So like it's not about the city in which you live. For me that was, for you it was, but for a lot of people, it's probably more about the people you surround yourself with. Maybe it's like seeking out people that you like I know Ed Milet always says like, find people that you admire. Don't just make them your mentors, make them your friends because it's that same idea of like, you're just changing your standard of normal. And like, so you're, you're opening up your brain to what's possible instead of thinking this is a dream that I want to accomplish. Now you're thinking this is actually possible for me. And that's the biggest change of all.
1: It's like real right there in front of you, you know? And so I I find that that's just very motivating and very exciting that like, I don't think that there's something special about X, Y, and Z, like more special than me. You know, I feel like it's just about our work ethic and the choices that we make.
0: It really is about the choices we make. I think you've, you from the outside, it seems like you've done such a great job of kind of like propelling yourself in every single step where it was like coming from Canada and every step of your career. I feel like that's the overarching thing that I see from your life is that you were always putting yourself in the position to go to the next level that you want to, because you were making the action steps to surround yourself with people who inspired you to do the things that inspired you. And that got you to
1: each new step. Thank you. That's, that's very sweet.
0: (laughs) Okay. The last topic I really want to ask you about is you were so, open about your breast reduction surgery which i thought was so cool that you were that open about on instagram so i i wanted to talk to you about that and just see first of all like how was the process for you and why decide to be so open
1: so i was like i had very a very very large breast size for my entire life like literally as long as i can remember and i found that it was like a very hindering thing i had back issues i just didn't feel like I just didn't feel like I was at home in my own body. And I knew like pretty long ago that at some point I was going to get breast reduction surgery. I just always told myself, like, I don't know for what reason, but I was like, I'll wait till after kids. And then one day I was like, why am I waiting? Like, I don't even know if and when I'm having kids. Like, why am I putting off something that is like bothering me today for like a hypothetical situation that may or may not happen like years from now? And so, I decided that I was going to go through breast reduction surgery. And I remember looking for resources, right? Like resources on social media, like maybe examples of other people who'd gone through it, just anything that I could, that was like a real life example. And I was like, why is there such little out there? Whereas when it was about um, breast augmentation, there was so many examples, so many resources, people that I'd known had gotten it done. And I was like, why is no one talking about breast reduction? Like this is like a very real thing. And so I wanted to put my entire process out there as a resource for anyone who felt like they didn't have any resources because that's how I felt. And I wanted to course correct. And The amount of messages that I've gotten, like the amount, even to this day, it's been like over a year since I had my surgery. Like, I think every day I get a DM from people being like, Thank you for putting this out there. It's been such a helpful resource, or you inspired me to finally pull the trigger. It's been something I've been thinking about for so long, blah, blah, blah. And even just like micro things, like what recovery is like, because there's so much misinformation, there's so much like, I don't know like it feels like this big scary thing and don't get me wrong like yeah like surgery is like major no matter what but it's not like you're going to be in bed for the rest of your life you know and so I just wanted to take everyone through my journey and show them that like okay like yeah you know like it's surgery and this is how it is but maybe you in your mind have been told something or like you've you've thought it's like this like bigger scarier thing than it really is like I was up and, you know, out for walks in the first two days. And like, that's so different than what I would have thought. Exactly. Exactly. And I thought the same thing. So before I went in for my consultations, I was like, oh my God, like what's gonna happen to me? And I remember going and speaking to like doctors and obviously like the surgeon that I went for, Dr. Barrett, I love him so much. He's incredibly talented and just the best surgeon ever. And I remember going through the process with him and he's like, no, like it's, you're going to be completely fine. Like we're going to be holding your hand through recovery. Like you are going to be fine. And I was actually like the day that I got back from surgery, like I was given instructions that the very next day I should be going out on like short but frequent walks. And so my recovery process was like, it was great. You know, like, yes, it hurt, you know, it's a painful process, but like at the same time, like I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I waited so long to do this. Like you're barely down and out for like, like two weeks. You know, I was at a dinner party like the next week. So it's really not that big a deal.
0: That you're so right that there's no kind of like public information to the extent of like what does recovery look like? What to expect? So then it does seem like something very scary to people. I think that's true, whether it's the same type of surgery or a different surgery. Um, totally. But I think even being open about it is so huge, whether it's a breast reduction surgery or like a different kind of plastic surgery, like people do not realize how common these things are because people oh, aren't talking about them enough, right? So I, yeah. it like shouldn't be brave, but it was brave of you because people don't talk about it.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think that this is what's warped people's beauty standards, you know, and we think that people are born a certain way, and I think it's like pretty ridiculous considering the fact that when you wear makeup, you're pretty open about the fact that you you're wearing makeup or you get lash extensions and it's all fine, and then as soon as it's like plastic surgery, it's like oh, let me not tell you why. Like if we're open about it, I just think that it makes things a little bit healthier and just more transparent. Because imagine living in a world where like you're putting on makeup and other people don't know that you have makeup on your face and you look like bright and alert and like even skin toned all day long. And everyone's like, oh my God, like, I wonder how, like, let me try all these weird things to make myself look. It's like, no, like everyone, like so many people have helped you guys. Like everyone is getting shit done. And it really bothers me that no one talks about it because people are out here and they're getting shit done. And I promise you, like, even if I get a little bit of Botox on my face, I haven't yet. But when I do, I will be talking about it because people need to know. Like, it's just, let's just be transparent.
0: Yes. Thank God. I don't know. Being in LA, I feel like there's more understanding of every celebrity, every influencer does something Like, and other people are are looking on Instagram thinking like, I'm don't look like this. My lips don't look like this. My hair, like all these things. And it's, it's not because you're not naturally born beautiful. It's like, there's the standard, but no one's talking about it and being honest about what they're doing. And it's such disservice. Like this whole, this is such a side tangent, but like with the ozempic stuff of like that people are just thinking, oh my God, you look amazing. Like you worked out and you like, no, people are taking a drug meant for diabetes to make them lose weight and like no people are not honest about it so it's it's warping the beauty standard.
1: Yeah, so I just think that that transparency piece is so important. I actually had um an expert in this area on my podcast. Her name is Dana Omari. Her thing is IG famous by Dana. So she was on my podcast and we did a whole deep dive into Ozempic and like all these procedures that are so commonplace and yet like no one really knows because it's not talked about openly, but it's like, come on, like everyone's doing shit, you know? And like, yes. the more we talk about it, the the less taboo it becomes. And the more I think realistic we are about beauty standards, that's about it. I think it just gets us to a better place. And, you know, people then choose like, okay, I'm going to do something or not, but like not putting pressure on themselves to look a certain way because this celebrity looks a certain way when they've had like thousands of dollars worth of help.
0: It's not like great. Let's, well, I think it's fine to normalize plastic surgery. Like if you want plastic surgery, Absolutely. go for it. But like, it, that's not even the the main purpose. The main purpose is just so that every person out there that's on Instagram and is constantly playing the comparison game can say to themselves, It's not that I'm lesser than, it's because there's all these other things that they're doing to enhance their beauty. And that doesn't mean that we all need them. It just means that we got to be more transparent about what's realistic. You know, just like when we get our hair done, we're going to say, I got highlights and I dyed my hair color and I got extensions. And like, like we're open about that. Let's be open about everything else. You know, like why not? And it's such a common thing. So let's, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. And the resources also help because let's be real, like people may choose to go get things done. And if you have resources and understand how to get through like the recovery or like what to expect, it's just helpful. You know, like I think getting a breast reduction was one of the best decisions I have ever made in my life. Like single-handedly, it like completely changed just my state of being, like my like how athletic I feel, like how at home I feel in my body. And I'm so happy that I was able to provide resources to other people considering the same thing or people who are maybe too scared to do this because they didn't have resources. So for me, I just like, I'm an oversharer and anything I try, I will always put it out in the world because my hope is that I help at least one person, you know? It's so true, and it's cool to watch
0: you do that because very few people out there are thinking of any kind of surgery plastic surgery that way. I actually had a friend who for years has said she wanted a breast reduction surgery because she felt so not at home in her body it you know obviously hurt her back like there was physical symptoms associated with it, and it wasn't until this maybe this last year that she finally got it done because there was no other resources. And I actually pointed her to your page because she was thinking there's this huge tear, like it's a big surgery. It sounds really scary. And like surgery obviously should not be taken lightly, but she was thinking no one else does it. This is a big, scary thing. So to have someone that you can look at that says, this was my experience, this was my recovery it changes everything. And now people can be making decisions based on what's right for them in their body because there's openness about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know what, guys, if anyone here is considering breast reduction surgery, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Sip's page. You'll find everything you need to
0: know. Okay, Sip, um, we're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First one, your go-to coffee order.
1: Cinnamon Americano.
0: Love it. Nice. And you make like a bulletproof, like something delicious, right?
1: Yeah, so I do a bulletproof. So I have issues eating in the morning. I feel like I'm just like a lot more lethargic, and like I'm I'm just like a lot sharper when I'm fasted. And so on days where I'm supposed to break my fast, because I I intermittent fast according to my hormones and where I'm at in my cycle. So on days where I'm supposed to eat in like a twelve hour period, which is short for me, that's when I have a bulletproof coffee. And so I just make that with MCT oil like black coffee and a little bit of grass-fed grass-finished ghee and then I just blend it in the mixer and obviously cinnamon cuz I love cinnamon and I mix it in the blender, blend it in the blender. <laughs> and it's this like really frothy delicious latte. And if you don't want to do that, you can also just add a little bit of cream to your um, coffee as well. It like kind of has like a similar impact as well. So, yeah, that's kind of like the my whole spiel with coffee, but if it's like Very typical, like, you know, 80% of the time it's a cinnamon Americano.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love a cinnamon Americano. Um, And because I know people are going to ask, you found like your fasting hormone based on your cycle from the Fast Like a Girl book, right? If I remember you talked about it.
1: Yes, it is an unbelievable resource. I had Dr. Mindy Pels on my podcast and I was just like completely just blown away by her. She's broken it down in the most kind of easy to understand way. And she goes through like why we should or shouldn't be fasting, the lengths of fast at each stage of our cycle, why we can't just, you know, go ahead and, um, you know, treat our bodies the same way that men do. There's just a lot more complexity to it. So she's incredible. And that's like, like I loved having her on my podcast and her book fast. Like a girl is incredible as well.
0: Yeah. So that's, I know people are going to be wondering after you said that. So I'm like, I got to give them a resource. I just saw yeah. Dr. Mindy's talk like two months ago and it mm-hmm. blew my mind. I mean, she's I know. Fascinating. She's, she's
1: incredible.
0: So cool. So cool. Okay. What is your favorite movie?
1: Ooh, uh, Kung Fu Panda.
0: That is a great one. What a good, like, pleasure, fun, lighthearted watch.
1: I can't watch serious things. Like I'm very much like sensitive to that kind of content. Me too. And so. Really? Oh my God. I can't okay, even you watch get... like
0: a semi-sad. Like even if it's a comedy
1: with a little sad, yes. I can't do it. I'm like, I can't do it. Like, no. so I love, it's so funny. I'm obsessed with Marvel, but I can't watch Avengers Endgame 1 and 2. Like I can't rewatch it because I'm like, it's too sad. Iron yeah. Man dies. My favorite. Like I can't, like my heart can't handle it. Like they just kill everyone off and I can't do it. So Yeah, Kung Fu Panda. I'm obsessed. Oh my god, that's so good. It's I'm the same
0: way where it's like the littlest tiniest thing. I just can't. I'll think about it for days and like knock it over. It.
1: Yeah, I have sadness hangover afterwards. I'm literally stop thinking about it. That's the best
0: way to describe it. It's a sadness hangover, and then you like can't get it. Even like the scene from this is the stupidest thing, but I don't know why this is like traumatized me. I watched Nacho Libre when I was probably like eight years old, and the scene where the girl's sitting in the bathroom eating a sandwich alone. That's not even supposed to be sad. For some reason, I, I cannot forget about that. Like, it makes me feel so sad. Is that crazy? Like, I don't know why. What's yeah, wrong? What's wrong with us? It's the <laughs> so same
1: wild. Way.
0: Okay. So Kung Fu Panda is a good happy go-to, which I like. 100%. Okay. And then last question, the best piece of advice that you've heard from a guest on your podcast?
1: Okay, so one that comes to mind is from Melissa Wood, and she just, and I think that this is something that is universal and applies to everyone no matter where they're at in their life. So she was talking about when she was younger, the standard that she set for herself was kind of how her life was manifesting, and she'd see like these people with these like beautiful lives and kind of be like, oh, well, they got it because of blah, blah, blah. And like, it wasn't from this like inspiring place. It was like from kind of like a darker place. And so she was saying that as she started to work on herself, the standard that she set for herself was just higher. And so those sorts of things started to manifest into her life because she started working on herself and expecting more for herself. And so, like, that's kind of like been my experience my entire life as well. And what I talk about all the time. And I just think that it's really inspiring to see it, like, hear it from someone like Melissa, who we look at and it's like she's, she's like, got like done so much for herself in her life and knowing that it wasn't just something she was born with and something something she works for is really inspiring and i think something that everyone can learn from so no matter where you are in your life like i just think that there is always light at the end of the tunnel and like you can design your life in the way that you want it to be
0: I love it. Great advice. Great note to end on. Well, Sif, thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun let everyone know where they can find you on Instagram and shop Array and listen
1: to your podcast. So you can shop Array at Array.com or on Instagram, like all social media handles at Array.co. You can find me on all social media platforms at Sif Hyder. And my podcast is the Dream Bigger Podcast, and it can be found wherever podcasts are found. Yay. Well, thank you, Sif. Let's go get a Sydney Americana soon. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me. I
0: hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or at theeverygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week.
1: Hold up.